Hello, I hope you're doing well. Um, this is just a pre-episode short addendum because um, I realised that we're really bad at ever mentioning that we have a Patreon. So we do have a Patreon. I will put the um, link to that Patreon in this episode and I'll also link it in other episodes as well. I believe it's patreon.com forward slash estranged podcast or something like that. Could be wrong, but if you are uh, interested in supporting the podcast, we'll be super grateful and you will find the link to the Patreon in the show notes. Our first goal is to uh, raise the money for hosting and the editing software. So if you were able to help us with that, we'd be super grateful, of course. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. It is a conversation with my sister, Bessie. We have a good, good old chat about um, relationships, love, romance, and the two films, Notting Hill and Pretty Woman. And this is a conversation inspired by a chapter from the Bible of Estranged Capitalism and Desire. Um, Todd McGowan uh, theorises that that uh, Pretty Woman is a film, a film about romance and that Notting Hill is a film about love. So hopefully um, the conversation will elucidate a bit of what Todd was touching on in that chapter. I hope you enjoy it. guest every week although it's not so a mystery when I put it in the title of the of the, the episode uh we have another guest today and said guest is my sister Bessie say hello hello um this should be interesting <laughs> well partly because these conversation that we're gonna like uh, have today um is a conversation that we have obviously a lot being um siblings girls Okay. <laughs> uh, so we're no, gonna have like we're bring siblings and that we just we just talk about nonsense all day long. Well, this is a nonsense. Maybe we're elevating our nonsense by like philosophizing on it. <laughs> but actually, basically, we're going to be talking about um, the issues with dating through uh, a, a more kind of like a type discussion about love and romance in relation to Notting Hill and. Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. So yeah, these are kind of two very different films. Not really though. No. Yes and no. Yes and no. Well, obviously because we're like deciding to talk about these two films. It's obviously like (laughs) there's not the same actress in it. There's some like similarities to it. They're from the same... No, one's 90... Well, they're like 11 11. No, 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 not 11 years. One's 92... Let me check, let me check. Yeah, no, it is the same decade and it is really strange how much... Uh, how dated Pretty Woman looks in relation to Notting Hill, like how much um, the genre evolved in that decade, let's just say. Yeah, but it's also style, because at the end of the visual, it's very, both films are very of the moment, mm-hmm. and they're very, uh, they have a lot of fashion in them, in, quite That's frankly. True. Yeah, but so the, yeah, the fashion did change, the kind of 80s fashion. And changed. And and Pretty Woman is just kind of really odd. <laughs> very clown-like and then actually mm-hmm. by the end of the 90s is sort of like it's funny really because the 90s star has uh, like re-emerged but yeah it's much more Notting Hill is 99 and um, Pretty Woman is it's 90 isn't it oh it's 1991 let's get 
Nine years difference. Well, it would have been, they would have shot it in, in 88, 89, whatever. So, I mean, yeah, but it is kind of crazy. But the, the, they are two different films. And I would argue that Notting Hill is about love and uh, Pretty Woman's about romance. And so we're going to talk about the philosophical difference between love and romance. Yeah, but I think that maybe my definition of what love and romance are maybe aren't the same as yours. Because I think Pretty Woman is more about, um, maybe a little bit more about desire. Exactly, yeah, it's about... Which isn't the same as romance. <laughs> well, no, in a philosophical term, so romance is um, a kind of more fantastical dimension that elides with love, and it's the idea, when that moment when you have a relation with a person where you believe that this person can is, is endowed with magical properties in the same way as the lost object or... Um, a material object under capitalism that we fantasize will make us whole and complete if we purchase it. That moment where you, um, everything's elevated and you believe in the transcendental power of this individual on your life. And love is more about ordinary, normal acceptance of uh, living with a person and loving them almost because they ruin their life, your life. <laughs> yes, but I think though that like, Pretty Woman is a little bit more about a, f it's a little more like uh, about a fantasy, yeah, exactly. especially on, especially like a woman's fantasy. Yeah. Whereas Notting Hill, I think this is one of the reasons why Notting Hill stood the test of time more because it's, um, you know, both men and women fantasize yeah. about romance. Well, most of them, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't look at. I mean, obviously we both had to watch them. We watched them recently. I watching Pretty Woman, it wasn't romantic in my opinion. No, but the point being is, yeah, I would say that romance is the fantastical dimension of love. It's about fantasy. Okay, so it's like the fantastic, like the fantastical aspect yes. of like dating someone. Yes, so it is, basically we have, <coughs> um, and, and love is about, um, almost there's something in a person, love is that point where when a person disgusts you, repulses you, and on all logical reasons <laughs> you should tell them to fuck off out of your life, you actually, despite yourself, you know, they, they, they have something that's beyond what they can give to you. Yeah, yeah. And love isn't like a thing, it's not an object, it's about your whole perspective on your world uh, is ch transformed by this person. Whereas I would say romance is more about what that person can give to you. And I think it is like a capitalist yeah. notion. And I think it's how yeah, love is sold to us on Valentine's Day and in the most ideological But do films. you not think like really, well I suppose maybe this is like the difference between yeah. love and romance because I think sometimes some of the most romantic moments don't necessarily yeah. involve monetary or physical things it can be like yeah but it's a, a walk on the beach which is totally yes <laughs> i think the thing is it's all about this is the thing as well and i think this is the problem with um how cap like criticisms of capitalism fail because when people say like i'm anti-capitalist you know it could just be you just don't like the idea of like people making money and you don't like people being materialist but actually i don't think being materialist necessarily or money quote unquote is the issue with capitalism the issue is an ideological structure, the idea that something can transform your life, some object, some person, some thing, some belief system 
can transform your life in a like transcendental way, which is why I think belief systems can be capitalistic and how communism can turn into like a capitalistic ideology. Mm. Because it's not about stuff. Like it just so happens that the market, what we see are commodities and commodity fetishism is the thing that disguises the ridiculous, fantastical ideology of capitalism. But actually it's about something more than that. Okay. Yeah. So you're right. Like, uh, uh, but the, you know, this is the funny thing. I think this is why the Mastercard ad is so clever because it's like it's the what the Mastercard ad. Like, this is such a clever ad because what Mastercard? Oh, yeah. Right. Everything else, you know, some things are priceless, but everything else is Mastercard. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's like yes. A walk on the beach is you can't pay for it, but almost like I'm sure capitalism would find a way eventually <laughs> to commodify on. Well, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, you, like you do have private beaches, and a private beach is much nicer than yeah, exactly. Than, like, you have like a sandals. What is that like Caribbean place? The sandals ads where you can go and find romance walking on. There's ads for those like, like not they don't look that great, but there's like Caribbean sort of like all-in holidays that you maybe older people go to like yes they have it's like somebody walking on the beach but um but the point being is i think that um pretty women and i'm sure i'm not the first and in fact actually um i read reread for the millionth time capitalism and desire again and i think that this was the point that todd makes in it but that pretty woman is a capitalistic film, but that Notting yeah. Hill may be less so. Although there are issues as well with Notting Hill. So what would you like, in terms of, um, it's interesting that you said that like, so Notting Hill's from a man's perspective. No, 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 it's from both. Like it, yeah. it, the reason, I think one of the reasons why, there are two reasons why I think, yeah, three reasons why Notting Hill has stood the test of time. Um, one of which being, um, it appeals to men and women. Mm-hmm. And like, I know a number of men that really enjoy rom-coms, yeah. which I find quite funny. Yeah. It's not something you would necessarily expect men to like. As a woman, as you know, someone with three, two sisters, you know, one of three sisters, it's not something that I would have expected men to enjoy, but yeah. they do. And Notting Hill is one of these, one of these film, one of these rom-coms that um, both men and women can enjoy. I think that's one of the reasons why it stood the test of time. I think the other reason is it's more stylish. And I think the style in it mm-hmm. uh, and the way it's shot is, um, I, I think at any point in time, you can mm-hmm. enjoy it from like a visual perspective. And then thirdly, I think, I mean, I think there are more than reasons in this, but thirdly, um, there's more meat to the story. Mm-hmm. The, um, there are more, um, oh, what's the word? Um... What's the word? Um, like nuances or subplots. No, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, the more subplots, there are more. The character developments yeah. are better, and that in part is because of the um, the rest of the cast. What's yeah. that called? Uh, the rest of the cast. What's that called? You know when you know when someone uh, supporting well, supporting supporting roles. Supporting yeah. roles. There we go. The also each of the supporting roles. Yeah. They're very comical. Yeah. Um, and they're actually quite well, well developed in and yeah, of themselves. Yeah, yeah. And also, I think they all um, tie into each other mm-hmm. um, quite well. Mm-hmm. Whereas in uh, Pretty Woman, mm-hmm. you have the lawyer, and you have uh, from the guy's mm-hmm. guy's supporting role is uh, his lawyer, mm-hmm. wh- who is like a really incomplete character. Mm-hmm. And then from uh, Julia Roberts, what's her name? 
What's the character's name? I can't remember. <laughs> Vivian. 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 Yeah, from, oh, that's a terrible prostitute name, I have to say. Maybe that's not her real name. That's her real name, isn't it? What's yeah, the prostitute? Yeah, no, but a prostitute would have a prostitute name. And that's terrible. Yeah, so you, you, you would know. And then, yeah. and then you see, that's like, those like little nuances. Like, a, yeah. a prostitute would not be walking the street calling themselves Vivian. So like, you're basically like, saying it's more throwaway. It's more throwaway. Yeah. And, and her her supporting yeah. role, which is her best friend, yeah. and I can't even remember her name, yeah. uh, is even more underdeveloped. <laughs> yeah. And then that's it. There are no other supporting characters. Well, it's characters. interesting because, um, yeah, from, from like a screen, that's called writing from theme with Notting Hill. Like you have a theme and everything emerges out of it. So everything is intrinsic. So the characters are different, say something different about the overall issues at play and they all tie into one another and they, yeah, yeah yeah but the uh but yeah also so it's sort of how fast he's having a giggle <laughs> too serious for you sorry no can't I stop listening carry on exactly it's like the story of my life <laughs> go back a few seconds so yeah no, they, I was just uh, but that's there's more of a kind of like a um, like a technical yes yeah, so the script is better the script is better, better. but the oh, but it's interesting though because to me, a film or drama is about writing from theme, and so you're you're analysing in a complex way, a complex way that like leads to infinite kind of kaleidoscopic discussion. But that maybe you know a certain um, perspective, obviously, is inevitable if there's a single writer, or whatever. But that you have these different characters that play off the same issues, and it, like creates a sort of very yes um, like because a, every character in Notting yeah. Hill has a love issue you've got yeah. the sister that can't find the right boyfriend you've mm -hmm. got Spike who's just hopeless <laughs> you've got uh, Hugh Bonifil that gets yeah. fired then you have the restaurant owner yeah. um, you know, he, he can't get fired and he's like yeah. complains about being fat and yeah. can't find a girlfriend then you've got the restaurant owner yeah. whose restaurant fails and then you've got the woman in the wheelchair yeah. who can't have children yeah and they seem like the most. They seem the only yeah. couple that have it together, but they can't have children. But this so. is why. This is exactly because it's about failure. It's yeah. It's about. Well, no, I wouldn't say it's about failure. No, it's about the being theme. realistic. Yes, well, exactly. The theme is about, you know, how to move on in like life is being a human is like being in a, a tragic comedy. It's like <laughs> being in a black comedy. Like, and the reason why black comedy. Black comedy, I think, is like the most realistic genre, but because oh, it's so negative, it has to be couched in, in comedy, otherwise, <laughs> you wouldn't watch it. Or, <laughs> like, that comedy that dad took me to. Oh, God, I'm gonna shot him. It's <laughs> black comedy. He was so like, Oh, it's this black comedy. It's like two and a half hours long. There was no comedy. It was like classic <laughs> Irish. It was an Irish play, and it was just black, and it wasn't funny. And you're like, this is like genuinely the most depressing term. I mean, maybe my work is just really depressing with other comedy, but fuck it, who cares? But yes, it's all it's. Um, but then you have to, yeah, you have to like give. You have to give the audience something else. Otherwise, <laughs> they just switch it off. Yes, <laughs> please, I can I have a crumb of comedy? <laughs> but yes, so the yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, and so it's about. Um, these different ways that people deal. The irony is, I do think it's quite funny though, because it's set in Notting Hill, and even then, you know, like now Notting Hill is like one of the most expensive okay, places in the I was, entire world. I was thinking this, but I think like the only the it's so funny because twenty years on, yeah. like twenty one years on, yeah. nearly twenty two years on, oh, and probably actually more like twenty three years on from when it was actually shot. Yeah, um, I was on Instagram. And someone had made some kind of like video meme yeah. about how ridiculous yeah. Notting Hill is, but people always specifically about yeah. where he lives, yeah. the fact that he has yeah. this failing bookshop, but lives yeah. in like what would have been like a five hundred thousand pound house at the time. 
Protestant or Catholic party? Well, now, okay, so obviously the market has dropped a little bit now because of Corona, but like, let's say three years ago, the market value of a two bedroom, used essentially as like a townhouse with a living room, a kitchen, um, there's like a little garden, bathroom, like a terrace. Like that would have been like a three or four million pound house. house. Okay, yeah. So, so, okay. So <laughs> the cost of it at the time would have been between like I would say six hundred and a million pounds. Well, I you know they're not. Yeah. Okay. Look, let's let's not dwell on this. Let's, <laughs> let's, really, like, let's get, get the price precise tag. value price tag. Do you know we probably could find the price of that house at yeah, the time before we shot. Probably could have done. Yeah. We should have done that. I was actually looking. I yeah, know so they're doing that. They, they, they did actually look at doing they, that. They like zhuzh it up with a bit of like uh, graffiti in the front <laughs> to make it look look so down and up. Okay. No, but my point also, is, okay, no, 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 I'm not finished this point. But that is the, I think that's the only, like, flaw, quote unquote, yeah. in the script. Yes. But actually, they could have really easily have explained it away. Yeah. Because quite frankly, I know quite a lot of people in yeah. London who have very nice properties yeah. who don't really work or who can yeah. afford not to exactly. work. Exactly. Like, so, so that's the other thing. And the other thing, isn't he divorced as well? He's divorced, yeah. So you're like, well, that adds an extra element of, like, well, that's a costly process to go through. Go through. Well, the so other, I, I think they could have easily yeah. have explained it away. Yeah. Um, and it also might like, and I think had they done that, then there might not have been such a big uh, wealth gap between yeah. the Julia Roberts and yeah, yeah. character. And so, and so you could maybe say, oh, well, he was maybe a little bit more brave than some like ordinary man would be because he had maybe finances that that allowed him allowed to him work to, in a second-hand book shop <laughs> so maybe have a little because I think, I think finances do play a lot a big yes. part in the confidence yes. of men not so much women um so they could have really easily have added an element into the plot to explain it yes. they just chose not to i said yes really fervently to a point there like finances play a big role in the confidence of men but i thought you were going to say finances play a big role within what we consider, you know, like love to be these days, or romance, and how relationships That's are kind it. of commodified. No, but I think though that this is this is a whole other thing that we could I talk think, about. I, would know, what, I think until you've, I think until you've been in a situation where you've there is ample money in a relationship, and you realise it doesn't. It in some ways makes it a little bit easier, but actually it can also magnify problems. Okay, so what I, I was just going to say that though is that historically family relationships or the family unit as we know it developed around out of like financial concerns, especially this bourgeois notion of what marriage is. But that's a whole separate issue. But the thing is that what I will say about the Notting Hill that it gets right is that all these people went to boarding school. All these people are like. Restaurateurs, lawyers. Oh, yeah. so you're, you're assume, we're assuming Hugh Grant, the restaurateur, the lawyer, um, Hugh Bonneville's character. No, not 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 no, because the lawyer's in Pretty Woman. So no, no, no. She's the one in the wheelchair's a lawyer. Oh, is she? Yes. Okay. So, so Hugh Grant, uh, Hugh Bonneville, the wheelchair woman. I probably that's probably the young people. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the woman she unfortunately Helen in the something, the actress. I guess. Oh, I don't know her name because she's, it's not because she's in a wheelchair, it's because she's not a main character. <laughs> <laughs> so that character, then, um, then the husband probably is, is privately educated, yeah. and then who else? Well, no, do we say the, the Like, now? the girl, remember when she, Emily Mortimer plays the oh, actress, her, yeah. who, when Hugh is sort of, like, finding a replacement girlfriend. You know, this is, this is old money British society, but what maybe it does get right is that those people really don't have the money anymore at all. Well, no, I think. Well, I, do you know what I think it does get right? Actually, uh, people in that in that they don't talk about money. 
It's not even well, brought up. Well, the other thing that I was going to say, though, socioeconomically, is that these people are in the position to find it funny that their restaurants failed or to just work in a normal bookshop because they are old money, so they aren't um, really forced to confront a lot of the material concerns that in like a rat race country like America or somebody who might, you know, a prostitute like Vivian absolutely has to face. So this is the thing that like often though... So I, like, yeah, I mean, I think it is, in terms of like flaws in the script, I think it is a safe assumption to say that all yeah. of that the Hughes character and all of his, yeah. his supporting cast are all privately educated. Yeah. They all have some background money and it's not even talked about because quite frankly people from that background don't talk about it. Um, the thing is though, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that I absolutely think from a philosophical perspective, um, Notting Hill is a film about love and is therefore a more anti-capitalist film than um, Pretty Women. Yeah. But the point that I'm trying to make is that these people are in the position to be anti-capitalists. So what often happens is, like, you have... You know how... It's just like there's these jokes that go on the internet. I don't know if you've seen, like, what is seen to be really trashy if you're rich. Uh, really, you know, trashy if you're poor and really amazing if you're rich. I don't know if you've seen these things. It's sort of like... Yeah. It's sort of Reddit kind of thing. And it's interesting, I think, in America, it would be, like, speaking multiple foreign languages. It's considered... Yeah, not paying your tax. It's considered sophisticated. If you're rich, right. but not if you're poor. Yes. Yes, that's quite obvious. Yes, yeah. like not pay tax or that kind of thing. But the thing is, though, that there is a sort of thing where one can critique one can critique um, capitalism because it's an egregious um, libidinal form. And you can also be in, removed enough from capitalism to not have to dirty yourself with the concerns of capital. Right. But the interesting thing is, though, that, like, <laughs> like aristocrats, you know, they can sort of be like, oh, I, I drive a shitty car because, you know, I've got so much money. Do it's you see it's very mean? funny. I think it's a real tell... It's a, a very telltale... Is that it's a telltale tell sign? Yeah. Um, when someone... I think in London, the worse someone's car is, the older their money <laughs> Yeah, they're more old money. They <laughs> they're like... They, yeah, they're more like holes in their jumper. Or whatever. <laughs> but the point being, though, that like, so I think there's like a dialectical thing about it. But I do think philosophically, as I say, that Notting Hill is a film about love and therefore more anti-capitalistic. Yeah. And that actually, the people who need to learn the lesson the most are the striverish professional managerial class bourgeoisie, personally. Um, who was it? English writers or American writers wrote Notting Hill? It's, uh, it's, uh, English writers. Yeah. Well, do you, I, I think that's, I, I know, it's, it's English not, writer. In, it wasn't until we've actually talked, talked through Richard the whole Curtis. house issue. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me that they don't even, it doesn't, because it's the, yeah. it's the, as I say, 23 years on from when it was probably written mm -hmm. and, and shot. Yeah. It is like still, like the funny point of the film is that his wealth isn't explained really likes it, like for most people yeah. but actually I think I think that they purposefully did it no but to be so the thing is though that they're all sort of like ha 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 hooray Henry's who they they are you know so the, the distance between Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant yeah. is potentially not as, as, as not fast as and she might fast, have come yeah. from a very very modest background she does come from a very she so she confirms that she had no money and that that's the whole picture also, yes, so yeah no i think this is interesting as well because um i think sometimes there's a, a vision of 
old money in Europe being sort of like castles and law da da da. It's just not that at all. But anyway, but the point being that I just had to raise that as a sort of economic issue because it's the economic perspective and also the. um, But I think like economics is like a big factor in both films because it is, they both portray a wealth divide. But I say we we in our opinion we don't think that wealth divide Notting Hill is actually that big. Well, it's not necessarily a wealth divide. It's potentially a feeling of precariousness, a feeling of um, so capitalism relies on people feeling precarious and it will make you feel as i always say on this podcast so marx says all that is sacred is profaned under capitalism so everything you know basically everything that is a structure or there everything just fades into air because you have you know in a traditional society or pre-capitalist society you know you know you're going to wake up in the morning you'll get your stuff from your field you'll live in your hut and that's it but capitalism kind of ups the ante on everything and makes you have to permanently strive to um afford your existence so one can be um what often is you know we see as aspirational in the past has been the ability to not work Mm. interestingly enough so you know ladies of the manor mm. how pale their skin was how untarnished their hands interestingly now often the highest strata of society working is seen as a symbol of success mm. because even the highest strata had been precarious like proletarianized in a certain certain way everything has become less stable now so often People I know who come from really, really moneyed backgrounds, in the past it would have been totally acceptable to do nothing, nothing. but they absolutely want to prove themselves and yeah, become so a successful business person, even though, of course, it's a complete illusion to, because yeah. it's not even their money. That they're starting off with, with yeah. Well, you said, yeah, yeah. I'm, yes, and yes. I, I think we both know multiple people in that situation where they're just desperate to prove their success from a business perspective because they come from money but but the thing is though i think it speaks to the fact that everybody feels this sensation of feeling precarious like work has become a symbol of success because Mm. i think also that's to do with like tech eroding actual jobs and things like that so it basically Mm. kind of changes a lot but i think the fact is notting hill can make sense and the dynamics can be the case and it can be an anti-capitalistic film Partly because they're able to accept that they're just bumming around Notting Hill, doing the things they want to do, selling books about secondhand this, that, and the other in their in their bookshop books. Anyway, but I think I think though, yeah, as I say, it still it still remains um, a highly like I I I prefer the ethics of Notting Hill, and I think that people can. Obviously, it's very easy to say. Yeah, I mean, it's a much better film on multiple fronts. Yeah, it's it's easy to say, oh, everybody should just learn the ways of these people who accept that they're just a, um, you know, selling secondhand books. But one could say that that's a symbol of, in in a certain um, culture, and it's a symbol of success in a way that, like, being a tech CEO might be in a different society. A tech CEO. So, like, it's just different values at different times, but I think it kind of explains that. Um, So... But the the fact is that we've talked about like how capitalism isn't just about money. It's about lost objects that are sold to us as being keys 
to unlock an eternal metaphysical happiness that doesn't exist. Mm. So the market tells us that love can be something like that. Love can transform our lives. And that this is where, it, you know, it can, love can give you a better life, can sort everything out for you. That, but real love actually, I think, completely ruins your life and it makes you less productive and it completely traumatizes you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it depends. I think it depends. It depends. No, but like the thing is, though, it's a different, it's a different like degree of happiness. Though it's like a contentment. It can give you contentment. It can give you joy. Mm. But it can also be very, very destructive. Well, no, I think that like so, joy, joy, yeah, is is like a happiness that you find despite life being shit. Yes, that is joy. Yeah, it yes. is. Yes. Obviously. So then we have dating services and dating obviously to me the issue with dating apps is that they provide love without the fall they provide love without the fall because you know fall is you know you fall in love it's like despite... i don't know i would disagree with that okay well i'm gonna present my case and you present your case oh <laughs> okay so you fall in love i think there's it's like a reason why that metaphor yeah, it's, definitely it's, it's painful yeah. it's like despite yourself you know it's a, a great chasm into which you you like descend but like dating services and it doesn't even it's not even like a hidden thing or like a subtle thing it's like they're there because they sell back to you this illusion that your life can be improved which it can in certain With senses else in but the thing is though it's not only that it's like not only someone else and i think love your life is improved in community and like living with somebody and also in terms of capitalism and stuff you need to team up against the fucking horror of the world and capitalism wants you to kind of be single capitalism fantasy you know is, to, is for everybody to be single and they just like have hookups on a fucking app because then you just like don't yeah, waste time you've got to, everyone's in their own apartment everyone's in yeah they've got to pay their own rent they've got to have their own rent heating, everything. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they don't that. waste time with their actual love enjoying being with them. No, they have to be working all the time to afford yes, their own exactly. existence because they're not joined up with someone sharing bills. They get a sexual release, which is a biological completion that is necessary to, you know, not be distracted from working. <laughs> yes. Anyway, but the thing is, though, it, the the illusion of the app is that they they say they present you in a market form, like a kind of, you know, farmer's market. Look at this prize, this. These prize are, pig. These are all of the things that they can give you. Yeah, and it's sort of, but it it doesn't work. It can, I think that it just doesn't. Obviously, you have cases of people, you know, getting married. But I think you know, from meeting on Tinder, or whatever. But I think though, it just doesn't work because it's trying to provide you love without the fall. And unless you I don't fall, think that's why it doesn't work because I, I do think you can still. I do think you can still fall in love from an app. Yes. I do. Okay. I think that there are there are separate the issues around dating apps are different. Yeah. But I, like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that I, I there are dating, well, that's the thing, it doesn't issues with dating apps, not and that that one has to be very careful with. It doesn't mean that a they can't they can't ever work, hmm. and it also doesn't mean that you, I don't think it doesn't mean that you can't fall for someone. The thing is, though, I think the issue is that they're trying to disguise the fact that you can have love without the fall. They're trying to make it easy to be like, all you have to do is this, and then we present you all these things, and isn't it going to be easy? But it doesn't. What like if you are looking for? Well, love, no, I think I think so. I think you know. I mean, you've not used dating apps, 
So <laughs> So I don't think you can I don't think you can have yeah, too strong an opinion on this. Yes, <laughs> the thing that I would say and having like like I, I feel quite lucky that I have a yeah. handful of close friends who are men. And yes. so I, I feel very lucky that I get like the inside scoop as as a female. <laughs> and um general consensus yes. is that dating apps have not made it easier. That is that no, is unanimous. Exactly. But that's the point that I'm trying to make is that it doesn't work. All right, calm down. Take it down. <laughs> it doesn't work. And what they can do is they can rebrand it each time with, oh, the new gimmick is like Bumble. The woman makes the first move. But it doesn't get rid of the essential issues of love. Yeah, it doesn't. But I mean, that, like, I don't, I don't think humans have been, like, hoodwinked at all. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where people have gotten to the point where they're using apps because there's, there's, um, at the moment, especially now, there's no alternative, mm-hmm. and it's become socially, for whatever reason, it's become socially unacceptable to approach people in person. Although, I would actually beg to differ on that because uh, I think it does still happen an awful lot, and actually probably more inappropriate than appropriate nowadays. Anyhow, um, what was I lost my point? Lost my train of thought. So I was saying that, yeah. I don't think I don't think humans have been hoodwinked to think that this is like A easy or B better, but for whatever reason it's become somewhat socially acceptable to approach someone in a bar or um but I I I think it's actually more to do with the fact that um more people and this was this was a trend before COVID, you know, more people were working from home, more people were working remotely, um and it just became it's become I don't want to use the word convenient because it's apps I think are highly inconvenient actually um but it's just become the go-to way and the, the thing that I would say with dating apps is um is that you, you know if you're say, say if dating apps didn't exist right so you're looking for your soulmate within the area that you live and within your friendship group and within your work via your work colleagues right that's it right and maybe on holiday you might go on holiday and you know be a bit more adventurous and a bit more outgoing because you're in a new setting that's it and actually in some ways you could say it's maybe a little bit unrealistic to expect to find like your soulmate within a really small group of people um so dating apps do have that going for it but um yeah, I don't think anyone's been hoodwinked to think that this is like a convenient, a convenient. No, solution. but no, the thing is, they haven't because I think they failed. I think that when you do each each new version, I think that Bumble's an example. That each new version, the fact that this is miraculous new idea of everything, all the whole contradiction that belies everything, including you know finding mm-hmm. the traumatic contradiction of um, the crack at the heart of everything. Be interesting to see how dating, dating apps fare though over like a t- twenty because they because they haven't worked like yeah. you know there aren't more marriages sexual health issues that have like like doubled or something in the last since the dawn of dating apps they've mm-hmm. just gone through the roof and then uh, assaults are on the rise yeah. date rape is on the rise because um, I, and I think it's I think dating apps have created um, like the one thing I would say with meeting someone in person is that people are held accountable from a social mm-hmm. perspective. So if, if uh, a friend of a friend asks you out mm-hmm. and you date them and then they treat you badly, that, that or, or you know, if either person behaves badly, if either, pers- either person, you know, uh, does 
behaves in an unacceptable manner, then the friendship group is going to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the thing of, well, I can't behave like that because my friends will find out and that's going to be, that's not a socially acceptable thing and that will make my life difficult. Whereas dating apps have enabled, the the biggest detriment I think that dating, has ha- dating apps have had to dating is that it's enabled people to behave badly yeah. because they can remove you from your life, their life, you can be removed from a, someone's life very, very quickly because you have no, there are no, um, connections mm-hmm. to there are no real connections other than the fact that you both swipe right well this is the, i i actually think that, that you know so it is absolutely correct that i think that oh, it's not correct that i think that i mean i think that i think i i think it is correct that sexual assaults are on the rise people feel more um i certainly don't feel safer because yes i actually think women feel less, less safe. safe now and the everyone, irony is every like like, every, not only does every does every woman know a, a handful of women who've been assaulted, not just one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, you know, out of my friendship group, I know, I would say a third of the women I know mm-hmm. have been assaulted. Um, and, but also, like, I know, well, from dating apps, I know we both know one horrific story, but that's not a dating app story. And then I know of the, I mean, a horrific like it was yes. really bad two, two absolutely horrendous stories like absolutely horrendous but and the, both in a very short space of time as well but the point being though is that I think it is interesting that um, globally or ideologically those issues to do with sexual assault women feeling unsafe blah 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 blah, blah are, are blamed upon so called patriarchy Yes, when actually, actually patriarchy is a pre-capitalist um, formation. Marx says it's in the Communist Manifesto that wherever the bourgeoisie is in the ascendancy, like patriarchy is destroyed. So when people, it's interesting that you know people are talking about patriarchy now when actually capitalism has done everything to erode the family, to erode, uh, you know, to to erode one genders position over another when those sort of roles were in place for contingent historical reasons mm. and, and actually you could argue it's the breakdown of patriarchy that has led because um you know dating apps have made it easier mm-hmm. probably for women to, especially places like bumble it's made it easier for women to make the first move and actually you potentially could argue that having like a strong patriarchy is maybe helps to have like a strong sense of right and wrong in a community. Well, this is the thing I think, and 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 dating apps have actually removed that. And like, you're always going to have bad guys, and you're always going to have bad girls. And and obviously, like, they're when I say bad, I mean maybe in terms of like assault, in terms of the things that could go wrong in dating, mm-hmm. you've probably got men that can do more damage than women mm-hmm. for like genetic, biochemical, whatever reason. Um, and so yeah, the breakdown of the patriarchy, mm-hmm. you could say that these men maybe don't have strong role models. So you could say that there's a breakdown in the community and so they're not held accountable. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and, and then actually you, you could, yeah. The traumatic thing though, okay, so the other, I actually think that the term patriarchy is sort of meaningless in the first place. And maybe we're talking about um, societal organization that are contingent on whatever material conditions that exist. But, it, I think it's traumatic for people to admit that, <laughs> that the 
a lot of the movements, the political movements that we believe are political under capitalism, are actually just um, cultural moves to open the floodgates of capital into different dimensions of society. And it is ideology that makes us believe that these are good things or that these are um, beyond reproach. So a lot of the things that were fought for through certain um, cultural movements, and I call them cultural movements, not political movements, and I think that they're cultural based on the values of a certain class of women in a certain period of time, i.e. wealthy women. Back in the day, back in the 20s? Right? No, back in like the 70s, okay. who wanted more power within society. And now that things were materially different in, term, different in terms of the pill, fewer deaths in way, Parking in like the 50s now. Yeah, exactly, but by the time mm. that... A lot of these movements that seem to be political are actually cultural movements to spread the realm of the market. And that those things that under the guise of, let's say, women's rights, actually have not had the desired or have... Yeah, I mean, like, because like, they, at the end of the day, like, rapes have not gone down, like, assaults have not gone mm -hmm. down, um, you know, like, have the worst sexual health issues since, like, the 20s, quite frankly... Um, so, well, yeah, so in a hundred years, which is quite classic. But the point being the is, like, <laughs> A, be careful what you wish for. B, everything is rife with contradiction. And C, under capitalism, really, you have to be wary of what is ideological within the ideological realm of the capitalist market system and what is genuinely emancipatory. And maybe returning to the film... Um, that we were talking about Notting Hill and maybe it is kind of shocking to say that the old moneyed position <laughs> provides a glimpse of an emancipatory position because let's say we can transform society to provide people to make it actually function for the good of the material um, experience of the of, of the wider society and that people can all feel as uh, materially secure as these people living in their terraced house in Notting Hill, Hill. maybe then they, they can afford to have more um, overtly wasteful and pointless careers that are less damaging to the world in which we live. <laughs> so I think the whole point is it's like really complicated. And when we just say, well, this person, this is the problem with identity politics, like women are special because they are whatever. This person's special because they have the special perspective. Actually, the perspectives that shine a light on what can transform society come from like really different places than we might actually think. Yeah. And also we have to be able to identify what capitalist ideology is. And for me, capitalist ideology is basically utopianism. Mm. The idea that just through, you know, you were saying if there is a promise of something better or if you have something that somebody wants that you know you you have a goal right you were saying this today you were saying this ages ago oh right so not on it's very yeah. easy to persuade a person to do absolutely anything for that goal if, if it's basically goal, guaranteed yeah, yeah. that they do so should know? i say that I, but i don't know we've had conversations about this a lot i mean both of us used to be athletes and um we were sort of like within the kind of um we junior kind of national team in um, long distance uh, running. Long distance running, and Paula Radcliffe within our country was, you know, 
world record holder was sort of the emblem that like led to the ideology of the entire training program so we were put into and it was basically like what she represented i was watching a, like one of her races on youtube recently and just even like the very aesthetics of who she represented it's like she the way she ran she pushed us she was capable of pushing herself beyond you know whatever and she did this head movement that really like i think aesthetically sells this like i'm pushing harder than everyone else all i'm doing is working harder working harder working harder and if you work as hard as me you can have this so capitalism really relies on that fact that it's a simple case of you know just just do more just do more and you can have it and yeah you can you can get anybody to do anything if th there's a promise of success at the end the point being though the complicating factor is that the promise of the promise is not something to be trusted like it does not give yes. you even if you get it it's not going to make you happy anyway and that's really the key to understanding how capitalism functions it's a promise that is a lie yeah, and it also relies on this idea that as long as you do something, you will get, you will that get it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, and I think that's like I think you know we've talked a lot about the detrimental impact schools, <laughs> especially nowadays. On I think um, especially like ironically, uh, private education or public, you know, in England we say public education and states say private, um, because um, you know especially in that and like you know grammar school setting and whatnot you're told if you work hard enough you go to university you will get a very good job and you will be you know you'll be able to live the life that you want and that's just not true anymore and it's still sold to children when actually they should really be taught you know more wider life skills to help them actually function or society should be transformed in the first place to provide a world in which the great you know the great number of people are taken care of yes but that's not going to happen though so like the form is probably well no i think there are ways i think there's yeah, better, they, better they, than we have it could, it could happen but like it's not going to happen no well i think though that this is but the, i think the reason why we say it's so it's such an impossible thing to think about is because people cannot see the undergirding structure of yeah. capitalism and so people fall and we all do it i do it everybody does it into seeing something as a promise beyond capitalism but it's actually completely part of the market and it's always going to have the same result i mean that's the one thing that's for sure um but yeah no, the, the thing is though that there is a point at which the lie just becomes untenable and i think education with the amount that it costs now and the fact that um so what do you think that actually the cost of private education is probably well, no, a good thing no 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 because no. it's going to mean that less people actually go through no no process. that's not what i mean at all i'm just saying <laughs> the fact that everybody has to pay to go to university and everybody has this is sort of inflation because everybody's work i actually think people say grade inflation there has not been a great inflation people are just working more Charlie, and no. studying more than they ever did in the past and people used to go to oxford and cambridge for instance to play cricket mm. And, you know, would graduate with a gentleman's third and nobody gave a shit and they'd get a job in the city. Now you have to get, you know, even if you're top of your year, it makes absolutely no guarantee of anything. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think it's, it's totally untenable. Probably what's against you, really. It's totally untenable. And, you know, people are completely burnt out before they've even joined the job market. This topic? The lie of capitalism. Right. So it just takes... The thing is, though, what will happen is something else will take its but place. You, so what we're saying, basically, is that pretty women is is 
kind of guilty of perpetuating this lie, whereas Notting Hill is a little bit more. Ethical. It's actually really. It's actually a little bit more. I think it's a lot more realistic. Not in yeah. terms. Not only in terms of like storyline and characters. Yeah. yeah. But also in terms of like what like because it's quite. I think. I think in Notting Hill, they're like they're kind of back and forth with the on and off again. Mm-hmm. It's really. It's very. It's very true. Yes. That like dynamic of like, oh, uh, at first. At first, um, what he comes on to her, and then she phones him, and then he goes to see her, and they go out, and then oh, the boyfriend gets in the way, and then it breaks it up, and then, um, and then what's the next bit? Oh, then um, he, does he track her down? No, remember she then you know that he he's so very offended. Up? She yes. comes back, tries to win him over. She's just like, no. He says, like, no, no, sorry. And yeah. also, he overhears her bitching oh, no, 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 about no, him. No, 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 Because there's a whole section of so yes. What happens is, in terms of the back and forth, you've got the, um, she comes into the shop. He flirts, he, you know, comes on to her. She then phones him up and asks him to come see her. He goes to see her. Then they, then he asks her out and they go out and they go out for a couple of times. Then the boyfriend gets in the way and then it, then it fizzles out, and I think he has some other dates. But then it's the picture hoo ha. She just turns yeah, up yes, at his yes, door, yes, yeah. and then they rekindle, mm-hmm. and then they fall out because Spike. Yeah. yeah. So then Spike gets in the way. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then it breaks up again, and then uh, she's in London. He tracks her mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. and then, but then she asks him to be with her. And then he says no, and then his friends are like, "Well, Spike, Oracle um, Spike tells him he's been an idiot," and so it's interesting that Spike's both both the inhibitor and the facilitator. Well, thank that. you. This is how desire functions. So this is the dialectic of desire. So, but, sorry, but um, yes, yeah, so, but that back and forth yes. that actually happens. It's much more realistic. Okay, without the traumatic, I think this is a quote from from. Uh, Capitalism desire without the traumatic satisfaction of love, life ceases to seem worth living. Okay, so one only desires what one can't have. Mm. The key to undermining the capitalist fantasy is to desire what you can't have. Is to realize that you so it's to want what you can't have, not you only want what you can't have, but literally the command want what you can't have, because it is only life is animated by desire. Mm. The desire, though, we know leads nowhere because yes. nothing can actually ever transform your life. But what desire gives you is it makes life worth living. Yeah. So love is emblematic of how desire actually functions, which is you only want what you can't have. You only, or they only like each other because of all of these things that get in the, the way. way yeah. Otherwise, they're just somebody who bumped into somebody once and that's it. And it's also how love stories always are about somebody who they, they are opposites in some way or they have... Love across the barricades. So spiked is the spiked. spiked. So spike is the uh, what's he called? He's the he's um, the inhibitor and the facilitator. No, but he exactly. He's the same as the um, in courtly love as the the chaperone. Yeah, he's he's like the, I don't know if you watch the Crown right? on the early dates. Prince Charles and Princess Diana. Uh, grandmother, day, no, grandmother's the chaperone. The chaperone prevents them from being intimate, but it it creates the desire for intimacy. It's very clever. So this is the whole point, though. It's funny though, because because we were talking about the yes. crown a lot, and yeah. in our family, we're neither like we're we're nor one way or the other, but we all agree that the Spencer family 
had a huge hand in Diana's ultimate demise because they should have seen that they weren't suitable and actually like having the chaperone and whatnot and not letting them get to know each other properly mm-hmm. but then pushing them down the aisle. But it's the promise of being attached to royalty also that you know that's the dangerous Yes, thing. yes, but it was really the fam it was really their fam. I don't know, I think they have a lot to talk about. Anyhow, we we'll, we'll digress. <laughs> um Yeah. So in but in Pretty Woman, who's the who's the inhibitor and who's the, the inhibitor, inhibitor is the fact that she is it's the fact that she's a prostitute. She's a prostitute. She's not accepted in this wealthy world. Blah blah blah. But this well, is the thing. But this is the thing, though, because he decides that he loves her straight away. Like yes. he doesn't actually really. Does he? He no. He's a really flat figure because, like, he's there and he just gives her everything from the start. And she's the one who, you know, she gets upset because she's treated badly. Or, mm. You know, why does he leave in the end? I can't even remember. Why? Uh, when? Because doesn't he come back? Oh, he no, no, she leaves and he comes back. Because the final scene is he's like doing the sort of Romeo and Juliet yeah, with his own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, because in that, so they meet, they meet because he needs directions and she gets in his car and, and overcharges him, but then takes him to the hotel and then she, uh, yeah, she's waiting for the bus to get back and he's like, oh, why don't you come up? Mm-hmm. And then. Um, so it's her own together. sense of offence and her own inhibitions that are the that are that are, are, are the things that But then it's not really love, is it? It's basically he's the ticket out of her life. Uh, I think I do you know. What? I think it's maybe her feeling that on the one hand it's an opportunity because he can facilitate, but then on the other hand she doesn't want. She's like misindependent and like doesn't want to be dependent on someone else, and especially like. And, but and this I, is just this is this is not about him at all. It's about his money and what he can provide, or or she doesn't want him to provide. And this is the thing. It's not really a love story. You know, it's not. It's not a love story. It's I mean, just an ad that. for. It's an ad for West Los Angeles in the nineteen nineties. Beverly Hills. It's yeah, an ad for Rodeo Drive. <laughs> you yeah, know, the reason why it's an ad is the same way as like the French women who work in the French women who work in expensive French designer shops who like talk nastily about you and it makes you want to buy the clothes more that's what they get right they treat her so badly that she's like she actually doesn't go back and buy the clothes but that's that's like a total technique that makes you feel like you have to buy things at this shop <laughs> um, so hang on so well, this, i mean the thing is like pretty woman it's like a re- it's a really incomplete storyline yeah. and the motivations are really incomplete as well yeah because you're right like it's not it's not a love story yeah. it's um you know, she's there because of what he can provide, yeah. and it's like, you know, it's like a little bit of a holiday, <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, but then, I don't know, I, it's kind of hard to, it's really hard to, like, explain, because I think with Notting Hill, it conforms to the process of, like, desire quite well, and it, mm-hmm. it plays it out really well, and, you know, as we said, the inhibitors, the facilitators, the, um, kind of human areas and, and whatnot. Um uh it, it I, I think it's really realistic at like how it plays out. Like the fact that she doesn't tell him that she has a boyfriend, but he probably should have known and had he like, you know, why didn't he he didn't lie to himself. Like yeah. lie to himself about it. Like it's it's really like it's really, really accurate in terms of like how that would that how that can play out. And pretty woman it's just um like you know some like the 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 motivations mm-hmm. I think are really um, unrealistic because someone a man in that position 
it's not going to go and pick up a, pick up a hooker and take her back to a penthouse. Like, I just, I find that a little bit hard just to Just because of her moxie. Yeah, he's like kind of yes he's like oh i fancy you now you run me over yeah like i yeah i just i just don't i don't yeah. think that's it's a series of iconic scenes that's what it is and it is feel good in the sense of you can really tell when ideology well, do you think it's feel good in the fact that like she has obviously like i find i find um we we not only you've only watched it soft white underbelly so, so if you haven't watched it it's quite an interesting series on youtube it's a um advertising like quite a successful photographer who does like big advertising campaigns and he spends um time interviewing um mainly people on skid row oh no i have i've watched those as well so So it's typically like a lot of prostitutes drug addicts um and, and whatnot it's quite interesting because basically he his motivation is to humanize people. Yeah, humanize these people and get them to tell their story so that people because you know, if you spend any time in downtown LA, homelessness like if you if you walk for ten minutes in downtown LA, you will come across multiple homeless people, um, and it's unlike any like we've both traveled quite a lot. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's no, the like level no the level of, of poverty poverty in. Los downtown, Angeles, yeah, especially on downtown is the say is the kind of poverty you see in, in a city in yeah. Africa. And but but very interestingly, because it, it this also happens in Africa, the um discrepancy, you know, yeah, the got, inequality, the, yeah, the, the inequality. inequality. Like you you have like Skid Row palaces, like, and then where Skid Row is, like now downtown LA is is quite shishi, shishi, and Skid Row is like slap bang in the middle. So you've got all these, uh, you know, you walk around downtown LA and you will you will pass multiple people that are taking drugs and on a trip and are behaving quite bizarrely in the middle of the street. And, and no one... Like, what no do you one... mean? You you walk into a three million pound uh, craftsman house in Hancock Park and people are on a trip. <laughs> so, no, it's not, it's not no, just about it's, drugs. No, it's not just about drugs. But no. I think what's, what's, what I found really uh, eye-opening yeah. last, when I was in downtown LA, like, so you... you Go on a walk down and uh, downtown. Like you, there are quite a lot of shops, mm-hmm. and you'll be like going into like I don't know. Uh, there's a it's quite a nice, quite a lot of like nice, like really fancy patisseries and stuff yeah. in that area. And then outside, there'll be someone like clearly on like heroin or something even stronger, like like mid yes, completely like out of it. completely out of it, and no one even bats an eyelid. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Because even in Africa, people aren't... Yeah, people aren't that dismissive. What I'm just saying is that that society, in yeah. particularly in Los Angeles, yeah. has... Ba- like, there are tens of thousands yeah. of people that are living yeah. not only below the poverty line, yeah. but in, in absolute... Abject. Like, in absolute squalor. And um, quite clearly have... It's not just... It's not just a poverty issue. The point is... The fact that um, society turns such a blind eye, like, like you will be in a street with hundreds of people, mm-hmm. and you will have maybe three or four people acting very bizarrely, who are clearly in like cl- clearly in huge amounts mm-hmm. of distress because a they're living below the poverty line, and b on some like very questionable substances. No one does anything. No one even does anything. Yeah, they're totally invisible. They're totally... The point being is that this is how ideology functions. It directs our attention to certain things, and we will completely just not even see 
what the real issues yeah. are. Oh. So but my point, my point yes. with this, because we, we, it was a bit of a tricky talk, but my point with this was that software underbelly goes on interviewing people mm-hmm. like Vivian, right, and to get their backstory. Although she's not quite in that level. Actually, the flat that she's in at the moment, even it, it, the story, even though Hollywood has become gentrified in, let's say, the last five years, probably be about $15,000 a month. Yeah, but would a prostitute, would actually a prostitute actually be living like and that's like but part of the point is that this the script because yeah people slag yeah. off Notting Hill for like all oh, that house yeah. doesn't make sense but actually we're saying no it's not actually I think it does actually, make sense, it, it does make sense. sense yes um and, and very very telling that it was written by someone who was English that script um whereas pretty woman you know someone in that situation a number of of significant things have to have happened I think that very little has to go wrong for people in in a society as unequal as America for people to be homeless. Very little has to go wrong. But she's not homeless, she's a prostitute. But so, so the soft white underbelly that interviews these people to kind of bring their experience. Yes. yes. And to make people aware. Yes. And to, to humanise, because, yes. because especially in downtown LA, mm-hmm. I, I, the scenario that we were just mm-hmm. depicted happens all the time. Mm-hmm. No one even, no one even looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I think it I quite like the software underbelly for doing that, but um my point is I don't think I don't think Vivian the character has made an has made I, I just don't think her character would have ended up in that situation. No, I think it's 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 very unrealistic as well. It's a complete fantasy as well, but the life of uh you know, somebody in those conditions is really like that, and she yeah, she wouldn't be like that at all. No, absolutely. Like, and, and that's, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to say like it's all to... a fantasy. It's a total fantasy. The yeah, whole thing. the whole yes. thing. Yes. But it's but it's a fantasy. I think from a woman's perspective, yeah. not yeah. from a man's perspective. And this so is because I, I I don't want to. Um, my point wasn't mm-hmm. that oh, you have to be a complete fuck up to end up as a prostitute. That's not my point. My point is, I just don't think a character yes. like Vivian would have ended up yes. in that position because a number of things do have to yes. go wrong in conjunction with. Some yeah, a, a, a few bad decisions. No, the point being though is that I think that this is another thing that's very clever about uh, criticisms of capital is that you use these buzzwords like sex worker or prostitute without actually understanding that within that profession there is a huge, enormous class dynamic. Mm. So those people making their living living on OnlyFans are like the zero point zero zero one percenters of sex workers. You have people who are um, escorts who actually make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing when people are like, oh, you know, um, you can't criticise, criticising sex work is really reactionary. It's like, A, the issue isn't criticising sex work at all. Actually, I have, like, I think, you know, total respect for people who have decided to make whatever choices, but we have to just distinguish the fact that between somebody who is, you know, a well-paid person well, the things have changed, the working conditions have changed, but somebody who's a porn star and somebody who is forced because of nothing to do with being a prostitute but the material conditions of society to experience a huge amount of violence at that end of the scale mm. without, you know, it's not yeah. a lifestyle choice. But the thing, one, like, software underbelly, there's, like, really common themes in people's stories, and I don't think her backstory yes, exactly. is I adequate enough to have got Somebody like Julia Roberts is the princess fairy tale version of what, you know... I, I, I think, actually, if she existed, if she existed in 2020, she would be the top 0.01% of yes, only fan owners. Exactly. Absolutely. And she'd be quite savvy about it. And that's, like, 
something you find. So business owner. Yeah, you're a business owner. Yeah, the commodities absolutely. Is pictures of again the whole point. I totally get what you're trying to say, which is basically she's depicted as a down and out prostitute in an area of Hollywood that was very very dodgy back in the day. Mm. Actually, the the figure who she represents aesthetically. Um, in her lack of actual um, experiences of precariousness and violence and things, it's like a fairy tale version, version of what, of what it would actually be like. Would actually be like. And I think that yeah. the, her character just would not. I just don't think her character would end up in that situation that she's in. Yes. Secondly, I think there's also a bit of like, I know, yeah. I think I think we've established that we don't we don't think the financial aspect of Notting Hill is is questionable. We think it all. Adds it up. actually makes sense if you understand who often is in the position mm. to to not be a capitalist. Yeah. Whereas with with pretty women, um, what's quite interesting with stuff about underbelly, like they talk about how much money they earn. Mm-hmm. These girls earn like crazy money, but they're all they're drug addicts, so they're mm-hmm. fueling a habit. Often they're fueling, not so. Oftentimes they'll like work. Maybe they might work downtown LA, um, but not necessarily. They might actually have somewhere to live mm-hmm. um, but then they might have a pimp then they might have a drug habit and they might be supporting the drug habit for someone else mm-hmm. or they might be like financially supporting someone else so actually often sex workers are not just supporting themselves um, but they aren't crazy money you know like £2,000 a day <laughs> like crazy money um, and so you're like, well, she doesn't have a habit um, she's not a heroin addict she's not, she's not an addict and, that, and that's like a really like it's a real like point that they make in the film mm. and she's like you know clean a, and innocent yeah and then she's not her actions are not precarious because she's yeah. like quite a specific about like sexual health and stuff yes. like that and then um yeah why isn't I, she working in a coffee shop basically basically yes you're and then it's kind of interesting like oh it takes this white knight to kind of like wake her up and she's going to move to san francisco and like clean up her act and you're like she like her personality would not have got her yes, in that situation. It's, it's a very and the clean... finances actually do not add up. Her no. finances do not add, no, add it's up. A very, it's a line. very like um, bleached uh, version <laughs> of what yeah reality would be like. But the, the point being, I think, of all of this is that because also she doesn't have a pimp. She make, that like yes, they make a big point. They make that. a they make yeah. a, which is not a drug She doesn't have a pimp. Her a, a rent isn't very much, and then. Um, and you're like, okay, so she even back in the '90s, she could have been taking in. Say, if she did um, three or four clients a day, hundred dollars per client, so that's four hundred dollars a day, so that's yeah. three thousand dollars a week, so twelve thousand dollars a month, so that's nearly it was like what like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you're telling me she lives in shares. No, but the, the point being is like I have no problem with an etherealization or fairy taleization of anything in film like i don't think films necessarily about realism but the point being it's the ethics of the film is disgusting no but the thing is though i think that there are films that like there are like action films like like uh with with lockdown and whatnot i've like slowly making my way through amazon prime and netflix Mm -hmm. and trying to find things that i haven't watched I do not go to the cinema to watch action films. No. So I've gone through watching yeah. an awful lot of action films, particularly Tom Cruise ones for some reason. And um, they're nonsense, right? But yeah. they, they don't pretend to be anything other than yeah, nonsense. Yes. You know, and, like, uh, and actually they're quite enjoyable yeah. because yeah. they're nonsense and yeah. it's just... Absolutely. But something like Pretty Woman, where it's like, 
trying to it's it's not nonsense enough yeah. to be as nonsense as it is if that makes sense no absolutely i think this is an issue with a lot of things that that show themselves to be or, or cast themselves as anti-capitalist but actually it's just totally non- it's, it's just the mm. nonsense it's the same nonsense also just on the flip side um richard gear's character mm-hmm. you know that equally has the same issues and we're saying yeah. her character does not fit her actions yeah. his character does not fit his actions yeah. and maybe you could say oh well it's a two it's the two that collide make this like special moment nonsense like he someone like that yeah. would not just pick up a prostitute on the street and take him back to a penthouse and and face ridicule yes. because that's not a private thing to do in a hotel like that yes and then like also i mean okay the other thing is so we're talking about old money in the uk and he's he's deemed to be old money as well because he's, inherited, yeah, he's inherited this company from his father oh, did he? this is the whole thing though but the, the reason why, yes, that those who can afford to live in Notting Hill are ethical in, or more ethical than Richard Gere in, um, in Notting Hill, is that they... Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. Yeah, that they do not continue to accumulate in a nonsense fashion. And this idea that, and I think this is... You yes, know, but he, like, turns a page. Yes, for the legitimisation mechanism, though, the ideological justification for things under capitalism has been you know particularly when we were growing up work hard enough and you'll get whatever you want you know education 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 um these people the tech gods the people working in san francisco the heads of corporations these people generate create jobs and generate all the value and so they need to be paid more when obviously actually they don't create jobs they create an inequality and a sense of precariousness amongst people and pointless accumulation just leads to climate change and the greater the inequality the more likely you're to have a rampant rise in identity politics and potentially a president worse than Trump. So the difference is those who are wealthy can take a leaf out of the book of the Notting Hillers or the, the likes of Rich Gear. and actually I think the people who need to hear this message the most are not normal working people who are doing absolutely everything they can to provide for themselves and their family and to scrape out a living in this world, which is the vast majority of people. But those sort of eight percenters professional managerial class who are total careerists, I think they need to give up on that. Mm. And to realise that, yeah, this, this message is for people... I am always more heavy-handed in my critique of liberal identity politics than overt right-wing identity politics because, to me, they're both right-wing anyway, but one has a greater honesty to it. And the, the educated and wealthy who buy into liberal identity politics, actually, that's more of a justification. It's being used as a PR wing of capital. And they're people who already are not as precarious. Their only precariousness is that they might slide down into a position that normal people already have hmm. but yes any closing thoughts are we done yes uh, did we cover all our topics I think so do you have anything to add I don't know nonsense <laughs> <laughs> it really is nonsense I but do you it's enjoyable in any way is it fun in any way <sighs> do you know what I it's it's funny because um I I think a lot I think it's I I can imagine it will be it, it's nostalgic mm-hmm. for a, someone of a certain age 
Whereas I don't have any nostalgia for that age, obviously, because for the that 80s, time. The 80s, when everything was about making money, making money, and everything that seemed like there was Yes, no, but like, a lot of people do have nostalgia for that mm-hmm. that time. But I was, I'm, what, 91, so I don't have any nostalgia for it. So, mm-hmm. the, so A, the style of the film doesn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mind me anything. I, I don't think the soundtrack's that great. The script is pretty poor. The characters are really incomplete with no supporting, with insufficient supporting cast. It's like the premise is nonsense and it's not actually even that funny either it's not like because Notting Hill very funny yeah. like the script's complete we've established that the only flaw in the script we don't think is a flaw we think it's actually highly accurate mm-hmm. um the supporting cast exceptional mm-hmm. and uh then I think I think I do think Julia Roberts' character is not fleshed out quite yes, enough. Yeah. I think they could have done more. She does. And have she a needs more supporting. Yeah, and yeah. I think like she just comes across as a bit of a bitch. And actually, I think that and they try and humanize her mm-hmm. with the pictures and whatnot. Um, but I think that more her character needs to be fleshed out, and I think she needed more supporting cast. And I know that's difficult because she's like out of her home setting, being mm-hmm. in London, always on filming or press. But they, I think they could have still worked around that because someone in that position would typically have an entourage. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that they they could have done more. I think that is the biggest flaw in the script, actually, is is her lack of supporting cast and her character not being fleshed out enough. Um, and then... And also, I, I'm not 100% sure of their chemistry all the way through either I think the chemistry I think it could have maybe been a bit more worked down to the chemistry of the two characters um especially like I'm not I'm not 100% convinced that Hugh Grant like that um it's interesting because Hugh Grant slags off his female cast members all the time saying that they're bonkers Really? Uh, yeah, it's quite I funny. thought he was supposed to be like a really chivalrous kind of nice Are you joking? guy. Are you he's joking? Not? He's like he's notoriously a, pessimistic. He's a bit of a like. He's a bit of a sort of like. He's a real a worthy, worthy, worthy. He's got like really worthy political values and stuff. Yes, but I mean, he's really pessimistic as an individual. He's a right. real complainer. He's a real grouch, <laughs> and um, he like slides off his cast female cast members all the time, calling them bonkers. And I think it's quite interesting because. I don't think that, from his body language, I don't think that he really fancies her that much, in my opinion. Um, and actually, that might be, you know, part of this, you know, I don't know. Anyhow, um, so I think, I think that's one of the things that falls down on. Um, then, but yeah, it is very, very funny. It's really stood the test of time it's much more stylish it's much better shot I think I have to say I was so impressed watching it about how well directed it is it's very well directed very like it's a really good length it's you know it's all the music choices even though it's like Ronan Keating shit like that it's actually very very good yeah it's really of the time Mm -hmm. but equally timeless music but Mm -hmm. it's also stood the test of time like I think it's one of the best made films, certainly of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably the best rom com ever made, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I don't, yeah, it, I, I enjoy it, but I never think it's like that brilliant a film. But I, I was very. Yeah, but like, how, like, is, is a rom com going to win an Oscar? No. But it is one of the best rom coms. Yeah. It is. 
no I thought and I have to say it's it I don't know it really stood out to me which is maybe something that you're not supposed to notice is like how well edited and how well shot well it is yeah. it's just like yeah it's so well put together it's very, very well put together yeah very good anyway well let's leave it there the, the point being that things are complicated and the point being that capitalism is a libidinal structure rather than an actual um necessarily material it's a, a libidinal structure that presents itself in material issues that um interestingly uh the dynamics of who are anti-capitalists now or throughout history has been interesting the f I, there's a cause and effect issue of what comes first patriarchy or capital and i think capital destroys whatever the notion of patriarchy is but ne neoliberalism is just um an expansive uh, market system and that's where we are now and um love is anti-capitalist and i think that um the breakdown of the family and everything like that is actually a way for the neoliberal market system to destroy love okay, okay. thanks for listening bye, bye. <laughs>